why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500? Because they're sheep. And sheep get slaughtered. We have concluded the following. Because I know more than anybody. Cold winter has apparently not affected the army. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 92, Pounding the Table. It is Friday, September 15th. Shy's got a golden tan. He was just in Mexico. I'm exhausted. I was just down in Austin, Texas. Joey, how we feeling? I'm feeling great. The weather's finally cooling down here in Virginia. And last night, my fantasy players on the Vikings absolutely crushed it. So got a healthy 82-point lead going into this weekend. If only my picks for underdog did as well, because I picked Joe Burrow on the over, and my, did he not do he it. He got paid, and then he... Uh, 39 total <laughs> yards, something like I think I picked him to be, like, over 225. He was 39. At least it wasn't like, hey, he threw 219, 98, 225. Like, he just, he did less than Jalen Hurts does on his opening drive. If you're a Justin Jefferson fantasy holder, like me and Shy, we share a fantasy team, and that was horrible. Not only a touchdown taken away, but a fumble, so minus two points. But underdog's been fun. I've literally hit every single time I get one wrong. So they do have that insurance policy. I probably should start leveraging that. You only have to hit four or five. You make a little less, but I think that's the move. And if you guys have not signed up, good segue. Use the promo code PTT. We'll put the link in the bio as a PTT listener. You're able to get free spots. So instead of having to pick three, you get a free spot. You only need to get two extras correct. So sign up with PTT. Let's get into the main programming, Joey. There's an auto crisis going on. That's the news, I think, today and, and uh, the last couple of days, actually. It's been pretty wild to see how it's all turned out. So, yeah, the UAW has been trying to renegotiate with, was it GM, Ford, and Stellantis? And those talks did not go well. So, yeah, they, they're striking those three. I think they said it's the first simultaneous strike of all three big automakers in 88 years, which is pretty insane. But so some statistics that I've found. So they've got $850 million or $825 million in their strike fund. So they can do this for 12 weeks. So, you know, it, it could go on for quite some time. And I don't know if the automakers really want to have it drag on for that long because they need to be making cars. But the issue I saw is, you know, you've yeah, got they're making crazy other. asks, aren't they? Yeah. So that's the thing. So it's one thing if you go to the UAW's website site, you can see they're asking for a double digit raise. And then they cite CEO raises were 40% over the course of this last contract. So you would think that's kind of like the area that they're going for, which is pretty hefty. If you're a normal worker, you used to like a three to 5% raise and you did great, which we're not even close to inflation. So we really don't know what the ask is. Double digits could be 99% for all we know. But then you've got the CEO of Ford coming out saying, that essentially what they're asking for the average UAW member is $300,000 salary for a four-day work week. So, and then of course, he's likening that to teachers, firefighters, and everything else. So I don't know how accurate that is because yeah, you're taking it from one mouth rather than the other. But yeah, if that's the case, I thought I wanted to be a UPS driver after this last contract negotiation with the Teamsters. But yeah. man, I need to get into making cars because it's like, yeah, I can make 175 grand being a UPS driver. Well, hey, you can make 300 grand being an auto worker. Like maybe I'm just in the wrong industry. It is funny. So they actually just started, I was pulling up the news and as of 22 minutes ago, 
The strikes had began. GM factory in Wentzville, Missouri, Ford plant in Wayne, Michigan, and a Jeep plant in Ohio. So they started in Biden. That was the big news too, is Biden had this whole thing when he was campaigning that he's going to be like the most pro-union president of all time. And he went on record kind of backing them now. And this is a great, crazy conundrum, right? We're dealing with this. They're asking for an insane amount of money and to work four days. And they're probably thinking that they'll meet in the middle here. But weren't you saying even if they met in the middle, that'd be an absurd ask, basically? Well, see, that's the thing. So if the 300,000 number is accurate and they're based on what they're making before, so yeah, you could come out with some insane ask and then Ford and the other automakers, I want to say they're offering like a 20% raise, which seems pretty reasonable to an out- outsider, but maybe they didn't see anything given inflation over the last couple of years. Maybe that would still be unreasonable to them, but trying to get all the facts in line, I'm thinking, okay, so even meeting in the middle might be too much. So the other thing about what the Ford CEO said was, if they met the asks or the demands of the UAW, they would essentially go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so you're asking us to choose bankruptcy over an actual deal. Like we got to be reasonable here. But then you did make a good point where they're saying what plants they're striking. So that's the other thing about the strike fund. It kicks in day eight of the strikes for these workers that are participating or affected. How by does that it. work? They're getting paid from this fund effectively? Yeah. So there's a strike fund that's set up. And I guess it's member dues that go into the union and then they create the strike fund if it's necessary. So uh, it's like day eight of the strike, then you can qualify and it's like $100 per affected member per day. And so there's all this criteria, but then if you do it, it comes out to like $70 million a week so they can survive for 12 weeks. But the way that they could extend and make this last longer is if they only strike select plants. So then some people are working other places. So then not every UAW member is trying to tap the same fund at the same time. So that's where they're saying like, it could be the first simultaneous outright strike of everything, or they could select specific plants and make that money last longer. So it's a very interesting situation. I'm learning a lot about unions and auto working unions. And it's just crazy because we just went through this with the Teamsters and UPS thinking, oh, how are we going to get all of our packages if this goes? You've had the recent ones with uh, the pilot unions. Yeah, well, you might not be able to fly because pilots are all going to strike. Someone always seems to be striking. But the other thing is you had the Teamsters come out and support the UAW saying we will not cross picket lines. So then they're saying, hey, any of these auto workers or any of these automakers that are asking for shipments from any of these like Teamster drivers, those drivers will not cross the picket lines to deliver those. So the automakers would just be in serious trouble because they wouldn't be able to get materials. They don't have anybody to put the materials together. And it all comes down to if you're not making cars, what are people going to do? So then supply and demand come into issue, the cost all of these new cars would significantly increase because the supply would go down, pushing people to use cars like Carvana, CarMax, or to people not affected by it, like a Tesla. So yeah. real quick, I was just going to say real quick on that piece, do, would you anticipate who's going to be affected by this the most? You think Carvana may benefit from this overall and what are their like, stocks and what stocks, like how is this going to affect Ford? Is it, I'm assuming going to be a negative on Ford, GM, and all these others, or is it inverse here? Well, you saw Carvana's stock kind of surge because some analysts came out saying, yeah, if new cars is an issue, you're going to see the used car dealers surging. I don't know if CarMax got much of a bump, but I did see Carvana rise on that. 
So the other thing is, not only are Ford, GM, Stellantis affected if they're not making cars, the other thing is, if they get a bad deal. So yeah, say they had to pay $300,000 per average. Yeah, you're a ticking time bomb to bankruptcy at this point, according to Ford CEO. So like, what they end up agreeing to will also weigh heavily on these stocks because then like their margins and everything about them could just be completely destroyed if they don't get a decent deal. So a lot is hanging in the balance for these guys. And yeah, yeah, I kind of revert back to, you know, I own Tesla. It's one of my largest positions. And I was like immediately saying like, oh, okay, are Tesla's people unionized? Like looking into all the aspects of this. And, and so, yeah, it's almost like I would never want to own Ford GM or Stellantis because that's just not my style. But this situation solidifies that, that's it in stone, that that will never happen. Yes, I had a thought when I read this. Can you imagine the final nail in the coffin if Tesla did a secondary offering and just deducted the price even more from that offering just to put pressure on all the other dealers like Ford and GM and just, they can't make cars, they're struggling. Tesla just going to make the price even lower and everyone's just just going to get tested because it's going to be so cheap. Like I saw a comparison, like a Tesla is cheaper than a Camry right now with all the tax all credits. That. That's insane. Do I want to drive yeah. a Camry or a Tesla? Like, com- it's not even comparable. It's like, let me go to Mastro's for a steak or let me go to Sizzler's for a steak. Like it's so different. So I think Elon, if you want, this is can also be a play for the people. I like, go put pressure on the these dealerships are afford to make, strike a deal, but also I feel, see it's a win-win for Elon if he does do an offering and uses that to make the price even cheaper for Teslas. Yeah, and that's the big thing it comes back to is like Tesla being a non-union employer, I saw that their estimated market share gains and, and like you said, the, the price discounts and everything they're seeing, they're just advantaged in every single way. So when you get the situation where they already had the best margins in the industry. They were already the car of choice for everybody. And now all your competitors who are like producing inferior products are all, their plants are in turmoil because their workers want more money. They're, no one wants their cars. Like it's incredible to see just how dominant Tesla is and that all their competitors are facing even more issues than before. Just setting them up for more success. Let's switch topics here. We got uh, Ro Khanna in the news. And shout out to uh, Fintwit. We're actually making a presence in Congress, which is exciting. So Unusual Whales and a few other guys actually got shouted out directly from Ro Khanna. They're trying to ban people that are in Congress from actually trading stocks or their spouses, which seems logical if they're uh, making the rules and have all this inside information. So I don't think anyone would uh, fight against that. Talk about DigitalOcean and Unity. I know there's some big news there coming out. Yeah. So you're probably thinking to yourself, why are you including Unity and DigitalOcean together in the same sentence of pretty different companies? So DigitalOcean just ousted their CEO, as we spoke about two weeks ago, Yancey's out. They're looking for a new one. My main reason that I think this is a good idea is because Yancey went away from developer first mentality, which is what DigitalOcean's whole thing is. Like they have 10 million developers a month. A lot of them start projects. Those projects start scaling teams. Those teams start scaling to companies. And that's why DigitalOcean's thesis was they're going to tackle it from the beginning and eventually the companies will stay with them, not bounce to go to AWS or bigger companies. Unity just announced that they're going to start charging fees pre-downloads for their game. 
you might think, oh, it's not a big deal. But the whole point of Unity was come use our tech, which is absolutely insane. If you guys haven't seen Unity's tech, go on their website. It's mind-boggling how insane it is. Once you create your develop your games on our platform, we'll work with you on getting the release and going to a market on it. And then once you make money on it, we'll get a piece of the revenue. That complete change with this announcement of the fees pre-download. This angered the developers as they should be. Like this is not exact this is not what they signed up for. This is what I've highlighted multiple times on this pod where John, the CEO, was just like running the ship off, like just cannot run this any worse. Like he every, his answer to anything like the Apple ID FA issue, like they thought they can do a workaround. Nope. They thought they can help with the ad revenue or the LTV costs. They couldn't, so they had to acquire Iron Source. Now, like their balance sheet is upside down from the Iron Source acquisition. Their solution is to anger developers to do a pre fee. It's so stupid. I really think John's going to be ousted by the end of this quarter. And I would not be surprised for them to make an announcement in a month that similar one to Digital Ocean that they're going to start a CEO committee looking for a new one. But just talk more about Digital Ocean because I know right now it's at $24, which is wild to see. They're Looking for a CEO, they're trading at 19 times 2024 free cash flow, expecting to grow revenue 12%. I think they're sandbagging. It should be 15 to 20. Their rule 40 score right now is 40. So they are super cheap right now. I think I'm adding to my business right now. I think the bottom is low 20s. I can't imagine seeing this in the teens. And I would not be surprised if a big heavyweight CEO comes on from like Azure or AWS. So I think it's a good time to add to that. Some other big news, Databricks just reportedly raised 500 million at a $43 billion valuation, which is pretty crazy. They started about 10 years ago and they did give out some numbers. I'm looking at on Twitter. So shout out to uh, Eric AI Tech Investing on Twitter, but 1.5 billion annual run rate. 50% 50% year-on-year revenue growth, 85% gross margin, 10,000 customers, 300 of those paying a million dollars plus. And so that's remarkable to what they're doing actually in, in the last 10 years, but they're valued higher now than Snowflake, I believe, and all these other big companies that have been around for a while. Is this company for real or do you think they're way over their heads? It's impressive they didn't do it like a down round though. Like in this environment, they still were able to raise that. That's People aren't... No throwing money around so casually anymore. You're absolutely right. Databricks is an amazing company. Like my one of my good buddies is a pretty high salesman for Snowflake and he tells me all the time like him and D- Databricks like they compete against each other. It's always between them two for new clients. So I know it's da- one's a data lake company, the other's a data warehouse. So they're not identical, but it's as good of a comp as you can do for both companies. So you have to c- compare against each other. Like Avi said, Databricks right now is kind of tr- valued at 43 bill. Their price to sales is 33 times, growing revenues 35%. Snowflake is growing revenues nearly identical, but they're trading at 20 times price to sales. So there's almost like a 55 to 60% variance in uh, valuation. So you could say that Databricks is highly valued right now in the private markets, or you can say Snowflake's undervalued right now in the public markets, but they should be very aligned and they're not. I think this is more bullish for Snowflake. Like I do think that Snowflake 
has a pretty insane opportunity ahead, especially with everything that's all the tailwinds are going for them. Seeing Databricks valuation, their funding round should be a bullish sign for Snowflake on their current valuation. I was just looking into this more. NVIDIA uh, was one of the main backers here. So it looks like Databricks spends a ton of money on NVIDIA's graphic processing use. That just proves that NVIDIA is just the perfect picks and shovels play, like of all these thematics. They also announced a partnership with Snowflake during their Snowflake conference thing that they had in Vegas a month ago. You're going to see Snowflake data breaks in the same sentence for years to come. So I, I don't think it's an of a either or. It's like you can own both, just like how Azure and AWS is succeeding so well in like cloud computing. There's so much room in that industry that both can succeed going forward. When is this IPOing? Do you guys have, do we have a date on this? I bet it's going to be summer 2024 is my guess. There's no date, uh, unless Joey, do you know? I don't think there's any date. Now, they haven't said public. anything, but I feel like watching ARM, Clavio, Instacart, making sure those go well and there's an appetite, they continue to perform afterwards. That's when I feel like it'll open the floodgates for more of these decade plus old unicorns to come public. Cause yeah, it used to be companies around the seven year mark, they'd come public. Now they're waiting more like the 10 year. I think Palantir is like year 13. So they're waiting to these more mature stages, but it's also because of market dynamics and overall appetite for IPOs. So yeah, I feel like maybe the end of this year, if not, no one likes the IPO in December. So it'll push off into next spring and in summer months. All right, we're going to get into China in just a second, but got to give a quick shout out to PeakBot. Again, use peakbot.com. They are one of our friends and sponsors, and we finally got one going. So fans of the show, you guys can watch some of the trades live before you guys do it yourself. They're giving away two weeks free trial and then a special promotion if you guys use the promo code PTTPOD. So again, shout out to PeakBot. We'll be doing a YouTube here in the next coming weeks and actually go through what it looks like for those that are interested. Other big news as we wrap up into the weekend, of course, China. So China's been getting killed from hedge funds. Obviously, the biggest news is the semiconductors and just the fear of trade wars and things like that. But we've seen a massive decrease in investments from the hedge funds. Is this like smart money telling us that there's going to be global conflict, do you think, Joe? I would definitely say that I feel like hedge funds are getting away from anything related to China and focusing more on even like US technology stocks and, and increasing the holdings here. Because, yeah, I feel like maybe it's the last five years, Chinese stocks have just fallen out of favor. I don't know if it's like just a mistrust of the market. And then you've got different shore reports coming out. Not that hedge funds listen to the shore report, but yeah, you've got some Chinese companies redomiciling elsewhere and still getting knocked for it. So I feel like I've been one that trusts Chinese stocks, especially because if you look at even like the F1s when it's showing what you actually own, like you own this company that's based in Bermuda or you know, these other countries that have an ownership stake in these companies on mainland China, just trying to decipher what you actually own is so confusing. So yeah, if the hedge funds actually own it directly on these exchanges, it's one thing, but you know, I feel like they're just going the way that the rest of us tend to treat Chinese stocks and just why own the blank of China when you just own that version over here? I kind of revert back to like Baozun. I remember people used to be high on that one. 
the Shopify of China. So you look at the performance of Shopify versus Bowser, and since then, it's like, why own the Shopify of China when you can just own Shopify? You can say the same thing about Neo, the Tesla of China, as they used to call it. So I feel like people are just recognizing trying to go after the Chinese version of great American companies, you're better off just owning that great American company. It's such a value trap. I think the only reason, the only bullish thesis that I see online on Chinese companies is like, oh, it's turning at 10 times EV to cash, free cash flow. There's a reason for that. First off, you don't even know if the numbers are like accurate. There's no pr- like validity to them. Also, like there's a reason they're so they're cheap. I don't think there's a I think there's a very low ceiling on Chinese stocks of how high they can actually go. As you can see, how KWeb hasn't even moved in like most of this decade. Um, so I I think an easier way to light your fun- money on fire is just dump it in a trash can and uh, pour some gasoline over it because I don't think you should invest in Chinese stocks at all. Do you want to take a quick moment to share the news on on Libya because we didn't see any news on that on like mainstream media? Should I I see you looking around. A lot of people I brought this up to, there's like almost 20,000 people now dead from floods. And I'm just looking this up. There's like been floods throughout the world right now. It's, and it's crazy. Uh, not an end of times here. <laughs> the, the video you sent me of that flood, like the initial one raging down into the building, that stuff, was it almost looked like a movie. Like it was insane. And then, yeah, you've got like earthquakes in Morocco doing some other stuff to where yeah, you've got so much going on, but. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just interesting to call out. Obviously, it's going to, a lot of people are going to have to like move and more migrants and that's changing Europe. I was just looking at with, uh, with Germany and relations with China now too. It's just a lot of things are heating up. I mean, there's, there always seems to be fear mongering all over the place, you know, for different reasons. Now, like these natural disasters is a different situation where not cool to see, not enjoyable to watch, but yeah, you, you've got, Media outlets are always going to focus on what could go wrong. So that's where I always like to just try to find the right situations, the right opportunities, and the companies that'll be able to withstand almost anything that's thrown at it. Yeah, I always like to look at individual scenarios and then is how does this affect Microsoft going forward over the next decade, something like that. So yeah, it's like not ignoring what's going on, but also keeping it within reason when it comes to your investment and your long-term horizon. We talk about the future of, of pounding the table, of getting back to the deep dives. Shy, you introduced it. You were a listener and you're like, guys, we loved when pounding the table got back into deep dives. Stop sharing the news that we all read on Twitter. I think the most fun episodes were the episodes where we just like the deep dives on I don't know, eight to 10 stocks. We kind of are reverting back to that, which is exciting news for listeners. And it's exciting for us because we're going to cover a lot more like specific stocks than we have been. I think a concept that we're floating around is we're going to try to, in the beginning, cover a small cap, mid cap, large cap stock, but we don't know who's going to speak on which stock and we don't know what stock is going to be discussed. So we're two of the three people on this pod when we're talking is going to be just as surprised as you guys when we hear the one person giving their pitch of if they're bullish on it, if they're bearish on it, or like what their insights are on the company. So it's going to be a really engaging, organic conversation. And there's going to be a lot more F-bombs potentially or some arguments between us three, which is entertaining. Joe, what's your thoughts on the deep dives? I don't always like talking individual stocks, especially ones that I own, because I don't want anybody to ever think I'm like pitching a stock or recommending a stock. It's just always been something, even the big days on Twitter of Joey Rockets, I was always very 
particular of how I worded things, like just mentioning a company, not saying, hey, yeah, buy this or I own this. So I'm just going to be talking about companies that I'm very interested in or that seem attractive for some reason. This is something we could have done maybe like six, eight months ago. I remember when Meta got down into the low hundreds and I was I just thinking like when me and you are DMing back and forth, even on WhatsApp, I'm like, yeah, check out this valuation, look at the cash flow and just certain things you will see in special situations where I feel like had we shown this to listeners or like posted on Twitter to actually explain what we're seeing, what could happen, the opportunities, it's something that could be valuable for listeners. So we'll make sure we walk that fine line of, hey, we're just going to spotlight great opportunities or something that we're seeing, something that we're interested in. So, you know, if you're not someone that follows the market very closely or constantly researching, you'll have some actionable insights that you could do something with on your own. It'll be good too to, to provide both the bull and, and a bear case, right? And, and just research and highlight those specific companies. Obviously, read in, do your own research. We're going to be doing deep dives too. Shai does a great job of those that are on our website. So if you guys have not signed up for our free newsletter, please do so. Check it out. It's poundingthetablepodcast.com. Other than that, it's the weekend. It is Friday afternoon. I'm exhausted from my time in Austin. So let's wrap it up. But again, quick shout out. We got a weekend ahead of football. So if you guys are big fans of fantasy, if you guys think you know the game of football, sign up for Underdog Fantasy Sports. Use the code PTT and play along with us. We'll be posting some of our pickums before this game's on Sunday. So fade us or follow us. We'll be back next week for another edition of Pounding the Table. Pounding on the table for my team. Every night I flex. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. Yeah. Make a play, don't talk about it. Master P, I'm bad about it. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accounting. Sock is rising, perfect timing. I'm in prickle with the try. Shawty sliding, she wants sushi, she wants eel sauce for the rice. I just peel off with the light, took her heels off for the ride. Don't say real talk, it's a lie. I'm a real one, I provide, yeah. Drip on a hundred.